During a live news broadcast, an anchor falls on the anchor as part of a stupidly literal murder plot. Though the blow restricts their airway, the victim signals across the airwaves by lifting their pen in their final moments on the nightly news. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Conan Episode 7, The Threatening Monthly Presence. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, but I also have a lot more going on, and maybe sometime you should try to get to know me for who I am as an individual and and not just the host of this podcast. I'm just saying. No. (laughs) Excuse excuse me. (laughs) To the folks that are listening along at home, the episode that we watched and are talking about today, um, in the US, you can find it on Crunchyroll as Case Closed Episode 7, The Case of the Mysterious Gifts. We are going to unwrap all of these presents and reveal all the secrets. So um, it's up to you whether you want to listen to the podcast or watch the episode first. Now, uh, this is not a surprise. This is not a spoiler because he's here every episode. Our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, who continues to live with me and watch a lot of anime. I feel like I've used this for your introduction a bunch of times because I'm running out of things to ask you about, but Mm -hmm. you did get some new Digimon. I I knew you were going to ask me about Digimon again. You always want to ask me about my Digimon. Well, as long as you keep buying new ones. Well, Pendulum Z Series 2 came out, Noah, and I pre-ordered them like half a year ago. So what do you want from me? (laughs) Um, Any favorite babies yet? Uh, Well, I've only have one, so I guess it's Geo Greymon. The spiky little version of Greymon. Mm-hmm. Mike, what have you got for us today? Well, I thought since it briefly came up and it comes up in so many anime, I would talk very briefly about Hana Kotoba or the Japanese language of flowers. Typically, it's talked about in anime a lot and it's really hard to find information about it. I can find lots of lists about what the flowers mean in Hana Kotoba, but not anything about the origin of it at all. I don't know where the language of flowers comes from. It comes up in like every anime for some reason or another. I guess it's just passed down through word of mouth. That's about all I can find. And apparently like every single flower has like a little meaning. And maybe if you give it to someone, uh, it means something. Pick a flower, Noah. Okay. Um, the, the orchid. So if you know where to give me an orchid, uh, it symbolizes beauty and refinement and specifically a beautiful lady. So if you gave me that, I would think this was given to me by a beautiful lady. And then I'd find out it was from a hairy man. And I, I wouldn't be disappointed. Hey, as far as our podcast listeners know, too, I am as hairless as a naked mole rat. <laughs> Mysterious, unintroduced voice from the ether. Say a flower. Sarah, that's you. Oh, it's me. I have, I have things about, pe- uh, about, uh, about flower meanings I was going to later say. Oh, okay. Meaning of a begonia. A begonia? Is that a kind of flower? A begonia. Yes. How do you spell it? I'm not doing it right. B-E-G-O-N-I-A? Yeah, I hear my grandma talk about them all the time. I don't know what the meaning of begonia is. They may not have them in Japan. It's not on this list. They might not have them in Japan. <laughs> oh. Pick something a little less southern bell. to petunia <laughs> since I'm close to it. And hydrangea. Pe- oh, hydrangea. I'll bet that's on here. That's, that's a fancy flower. Uh, it represents heartlessness boastfulness and it means that you're telling somebody they are cold now i know what you really think about me sarah Jeez. (laughs) wow (laughs) 
To be fair, that was the second flower I picked. Mm -hmm. That's true. It is. It's only the second thing you think about me. (laughs) It's true. I read a really, really good book a couple years ago where they actually talked about the the language of flowers and this one woman was like super talented like the whole premise was she would create these flower arrangements based off of meaning and what the person's intention was for creating these flower mm-hmm. arrangements and then she would give it to them and then whatever the intention was came true mm-hmm. like somebody wanted their daughter to get married so they like bought a flower arrangement which then like helped lead her to find the person she wanted to marry or and then it was just it was very a a delightful book and i actually got my tattoos are all flowers that all have meanings so yeah so so there's actually the japanese art specifically of flower arranging ikebana is definitely something that's a big part of their culture uh it's like a, a weirdly like specific art People form their entire lives around this uh, this art of like right. arranging flowers. Um, I don't know if it has much to do with the way that the language of flowers has prop has like continued on uh, in Japan, but it's a theory I had, and that's all I have on that topic. <laughs> well, I've got a hot topic for you, and not the store. Thank God, because I don't need any black T-shirts with band logos on them. We know there's always like a lot of suspense every week to see who our new mystery guest is. Um, and I'm excited to have a guest this week to share this little story with. <laughs> it's a little story this week, right? It's a little story. It's like a little story. So let's find out who it is. Our guest this episode. She is a comedian and heartthrob. She's been spending her quarantine improving her home improvement skills and rewatching Community. And one time she attempted to solve the mystery of the flashing lights. I've cracked the case. It's Sarah Carter. Yay! Yay! C'est moi! <laughs> you repeated your intro you practiced earlier before we were recording. Say <laughs> moi! I say that to, about my cat a lot. It's a thing I do. Yeah. I'm really alone during this quarantine. <laughs> You're never alone when you have a cat. Like, never. It's true. <laughs> they follow you into the bathroom. Oliver must be near me at all moments, and he has to have his desk, or my desk is right next to his cat bed, and he must be, he will not stop crying until my boss says hello to him every call. It's really... Really? Yeah, it's it's (laughs) become a real problem. (laughs) Wow, so needy for attention that, like, he's drawn to the Zoom person attention. It's a real issue. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the first thing I want to ask you about is anime. Tell us what anime you have or haven't seen. If any. If any. Um, Like most girls who grew up in the 90s, I was very into Sailor Moon, which Mike, uh, now uh, more than just band uh, logo t-shirts, you can get Sailor Moon bathing suits in plus sizes. So uh, uh, in reference to future conversations about the episode, if anybody wants to send me a Sailor Moon bathing suit, I will send you my Amazon wish list. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a great sponsor of the podcast as well. Yes, hot topic. Amazon wish list. Oh <laughs> no, not uh, no. I'm just gonna preemptively mm. say Jeff Bezos, don't sponsor our podcast. Don't do it. <laughs> but if hot topic can sponsor us, I'd love to have a cozy little studio in the Washington Post building. <laughs> if hot topic were to sponsor our podcast, the likelihood of them making pop figures of us goes up some percent. There's a lot of pop figures there. 
we can make pop figures of ourselves. Um, so Sailor Moon. Oh yeah, I was in love with Sailor Moon. I had like, and uh, as soon as I saw that Hot Topic had the bathing suits, I immediately contacted for my friend, my friend from high school who I haven't talked to in a long time, and I was like, Alex, we have to get these bathing suits. And I had like the Barbie dolls that I would get at like probably Hot Topic or other like toy stores that always had them on discount. And I had like the soft plush dolls and I had a picture frame, but I just had a lot of Sailor Moon stuff. And I was, and then a couple years ago, I found the Sailor Moon R season and I on DVD and I bought it. Well, you know, the, uh, the next, is it the movie or the next season of Sailor Moon Crystal is coming to Netflix very soon. I'm already getting ads for it. Oh, sweet. I didn't know it was on. I thought yeah, I, I watched parts of it just on the internet. I didn't know it was on Netflix, so I'm going to have to... I think it's the first time. Now that I'm finished Shadows and Bones. Some of it has been on Hulu before, I think. Yeah. It's like, specifically, they made a deal for either the movie or the most... Yeah, Sailor Moon Eternal. The movie is coming to Netflix very soon. Oh, cool. Sounds like a party. I was always bummed that the last season was never, like, tra- like transcribed into English, like, from when I was a kid. Oh, okay. The second time around, they did. Yeah, because it was like 97, 98 that this was like, I would get up early before school and I like don't get up to get on time to be on time for work. And I would get up on time early or even early to watch Sailor Moon at like 630 in the morning before school started. I did that for Dragon Ball. Word. I did that for Buffy the Vampire Slayer at like 7 a.m. It was on at 7 in the morning, like syndicated. On one of the cable channels like TNT or something. Oh, I forgot about TNT. Everybody does. Unless you're TNT and you want to sponsor our podcast, then I remember it all the time. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> TNT, we know drama. Have you tried approaching Cozy TV? We don't, we're, we're not actually hitting people up for sponsorships. <laughs> oh, I know. I just wanted to mention Cozy TV for fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know them. Oh, it's like the free NBC channel. Sounds cozy. So that's a significant series. Any other animes that you've tuned into over the years not really yeah just really into sailor moon mm-hmm. i read a lot of sailor moon fan fiction at one point <laughs> go on, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I mean i can do you want me to <laughs> it turns out tuxedo moon isn't in love with usagi he's in love with a bunch of author self-insert characters that's a <laughs> um, that's a topic for our podcast where we get overly inquisitive about our guests personal lives which is crying message i feel like i said tuxedo moon instead of tuxedo mask Did I, that's probably what i said that's weird it's okay i'm only gonna judge you forever about it <laughs> <laughs> so the the good old reader insert fan fiction is never not appreciated so the other question the thing i want to ask you about is the mystery genre spanning like the whole existence of murder mysteries novels books on tape which are the same as novels tv shows podcasts true crime agatha christie are you into any of that i'm real into kidnapping stuff go on like like weird kidnapping things like i've always like i was a sociology minor in college and i was always really fascinated by like stockholm syndrome type 
kidnapping things. Like I was obsessed with the Elizabeth Smart case in when I was in college and I did this huge study on it when I was in like in uh, this criminology class I was in. Um, and I really am like, I'm fascinated by like an American horror story season two um, in asylum when he like kidnaps uh foil alert kidnaps Sarah Paulson ca- character. I don't know. I'm just fascinated by the one, the creativity of what people can do to come up to like the fragility of the human mind. And the, like the it's, I, I find them fascinating. I don't endorse them, but I find the written creativity of them fascinating. And they make great fanfics too. <laughs> You're a connoisseur of some true crime in that area. Yeah. Or just reading about the crimes on Wikipedia, which is kind of true crime. Both. It's interesting because we've got an episode of this coming up where one of the child characters we see at the beginning of this is briefly kidnapped and they occasionally get kidnapped. And I'm like, who would we bring on the podcast for that? And apparently it, it should have been you, but. That's okay. Yes. Yes. And your crime, Noah. You're here this week talking to us about unwanted uh, packages, so. (laughs) I mean, if you follow my Instagram, you notice I get a lot of those, but different kind. (laughs) Dick pics. (laughs) Zing. (laughs) Toxic masculinity. Yes, again, a great topic for our spinoff podcast, Prying Message. So putting these two things together as if they... Uh, I don't know that I'm going to come to a come to a metaphor here. Putting these things, two things together, mm-hmm. as if they were a pair of gloves. Detective anime. Have you ever seen a detective or mystery anime before? I have not. I have not, and I had a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we have a we have a lot of answers, and maybe some <laughs> questions too. And if we don't have the answers, we'll make it up or Google it. That's actually a good a good transition point because the next part the next thing that happens on the podcast is Mike tells us like what do we need to know about the series that we're talking about today? Cool, because I was really curious if this was like a reverse Shazam situation. <laughs> it is kind of yeah. So Detective Conan is the story of high school detective Shinichi Kudo, who once, uh, while watching a mysterious duel go down, is attacked and forced to take a poison, which instead of killing him, turns him into a small boy. So in order to keep his friends and family safe, he decides to go under the guise of Detective Edagawa Conan and uh, solves mysteries while living with his high school sweetheart, Ron, and her detective father, Mori Kogoro, in order to hopefully find some information about the men who attacked him. All right. Does that answer any of your questions? No. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like a kid. He's actually a high school, brilliant high school detective. He he wants to maintain his secret. Mm -hmm. Uh, And And this is the one episode, the one episode where Ron's like, wait a minute. Yeah, Hmm. Yeah, I have written down. I'm like, she said his name like five times. Like she's asked him point blank. And he's like, I think I'm good. I think she realizes who I am. I'm going to call this old dude. And I'm like, where did the old guy come from? And why does he have his bow tie? (laughs) So uh, starting at the very beginning, a very good place to start with the song uh, and anime opening intro to this episode. Did you like the song? Anything you noticed in the lyrics or the the imagery? Uh, I really, I did like the song. 
I did notice that it was kind of like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm not great, but I, or I'm not the best, but I'm not terrible. And I was like, wow, like this is a, this is like, he's really setting him up to be like a normal guy. I appreciated that. <laughs> Ode to mediocrity. I mean, that's what they called me in high school. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Sorry for that. No, nope, that's I haven't okay. done comedy in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so at the very beginning of the episode, we briefly get an appearance from the three children, recurring children characters who are elementary school classmates of the now six-year-old Conan. So their names are Genta, Ayumi, Mitsuhiko. It doesn't matter because they're like literally on screen for 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. But they recur a lot. And mainly what they do is poor Ron is trying to shop for cabbage. <laughs> and instead, these kids are grilling her about her would-be, her lost would-be boyfriend. Because they're like really into detectives. He's a famous detective. They're like, hey, do you know this kid? And is he your boyfriend? And she rips that cabbage apart. <laughs> she just starts ripping leaves off the cabbage. <laughs> what she doesn't know is that the child that she has taken in is actually the, this sweetheart of hers. Mm-hmm. And that he's been there the whole time. And boy, is that going to cause some shenanigans in this episode. <laughs> so uh, he, we see him bring the... Ron comes home with the groceries. It's been 10 days since Shinichi has gone missing. And she's like really wondering where he's up to. And she's like, he said he's off solving a case, but usually he solves them much quickly. Maybe he's just gotten bad at being a detective now. <laughs> Maybe that's the explanation. So that was, I totally thought that was like, they were trying to, you know how like a lot of uh, kid shows will throw in some adult jokes? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh no, they're going to make a cheating joke. But then it was Bad Detective. And I was like, I see what you did there. <laughs> Their relationship is kind of pure. It's beautiful. <laughs> and then a guy comes in the door to the, the detective agency where they all live and drops just a bunch of objects onto a small child. <laughs> he was carrying a lot of boxes of toys and things like that. Um, and when he reaches out to help Conan up off the floor, he Conan notices that he's got a scar on his fingers, mm-hmm. uh, like a little indentation or scar on his index fingers. Yeah, And like an idiot, uh, small child Conan, who's not supposed to let people know he's a grown detective man, does his little uh, Sherlock Holmes thing. And is like, a scar on your finger? You must be a surgeon. And this is before he's told anyone he's a surgeon. Yeah, this is the first time where Ron's like, hey, that's exactly the kind of thing Shinichi used to do. And the flashback that we see here was from the first the first episode of the series where he where he sexually harasses a gymnast. He inspects a girl's <laughs> leg at in the line waiting to get on a roller coaster and realizes she's a gymnast. Sarah, your eyes went wide. You're like, woof. <laughs> <laughs> Classic masculinity was not savory. I. It's funny. You you think that like when they like in Sherlock Holmes stories and in this anime where they like come up with these physical characteristics to match random careers, it's like horseshit. But I actually realized as as a uh, software developer, I have the body hair rubbed off of my elbows where I lean on the desk to type. Oh. <laughs> and that's like my weird characteristic of my my uh my job. You put your <laughs> elbows on your desk to type? I do. Mine hang off. What's your weird higher ed job quirk that people mm-hmm. would oh, guess you as? In my job? Um, like how is... would we know that you do your job without us knowing what you do? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it, 
because I work for a university that has, oh, well, I shouldn't say this on our podcast. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what my giveaway is. Mm. Mine is that I'm probably going to be pumping you for something. Mm. Like I'm going to probably be fishing for information about what you do and who you know, because I, do, I work in fundraising for a nonprofit. Mm. So I'm mm. likely, well, but I, I genu- also genuinely want to know, but that's if you need to know what I do for a living, like that's going to be probably why, like it's relationship building. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> just freaking out in our hallway. <laughs> Did you? Could you hear that at all? The I dog? Yeah. yeah, I could hear that. Ooh. <laughs> I hope you leave that in. Okay, so, right. So this man comes in and he's here for the detective because he has this weird thing that's been going on. Um, and it's just weird enough for him to, like, seek out some help. Just weird enough? Yeah, he's a straightforward-looking businessman. I don't know. His, he's not physically that interesting of a character. Uh, someone has been sending him toys and money every month for two years. And they're just coming from like made up names and addresses. So he he can't use the return addresses. In terms of the toys, I spotted like a soccer ball, what looked like a VHS tape. This was uh, animated in the 90s. So it makes sense. A Gundam robot. Uh, we also see like a Game Boy later. It was hardly a Gundam robot. It was more of a Go Shogun Grendizer kind of thing. Noah, come on. <laughs> That's why you're here, Michael. That's why you're here. I recognize something that kind of looked like a Funko Pop, but I know it probably wasn't a Funko Pop. Yeah, a little too long ago. But yeah, it was like in a box that had very like Funko Pop vibes. Mm-hmm. Some kind of packaged figurine. Yeah. I really like that the guy, the the detective made a joke like, I'll totally hold your money for you. And I'm like, I have definitely made that joke in the last week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he like comes in with this envelope of money. He's like, I haven't spent any of this money. I let my kid play with the toys, but I'm not going to spend this weird money I'm receiving. And yeah, he's like, I'll hold your money. I had several mental responses to that. First of one was like, okay, rich surgeon guy. <laughs> that was my main one. I feel like I had follow-ups, but I don't remember what they were. <laughs> so so these are the two other kind of main parts of this. One is we we learn that the surgeon has a 5-year-old son, so the son is like playing with all these toys. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is about this money. It's been happening every month. Now it's been 25 months, 1 million yen each time, which is around $10,000 each time for a total of $250,000 roughly. With the current exchange rate, just imagine their cents. A yen is a cent and you know how the, how it pans out it's tough because like a million divided by a hundred anyway ten thousand dollars <laughs> or pretend they're cents um this month he didn't get toys he only got in money in an envelope with a note and this note is clearly ominous and the fact that they didn't all right away kind of i don't know they, they didn't react as if it was ominous enough in my mind um the note said i finished paying the 25 million yen i will be coming to get what is mine why was he paying the money, though? So we don't know yet. There is an answer to that, but we, we shouldn't jump to it, probably. That's the whole thing. It's like, what kind of person would just send you $10,000 a month? Right. Like, why? Sugar daddies. What kind of person <laughs> is like, this is too creepy. I don't need this $10,000 a month. <laughs> yeah, I feel like either you spend it or you like take it to the police or something. Right, you, you report just... it way faster or you spend it. <laughs> yeah, I would not spend that money because the, like I've been I, I like I've read news articles where like someone has gotten money by accident 
And then they spent that money and then like got put in jail or something because they spent money that wasn't theirs. But the point is you don't wait over two years to if you're if you're bugged out by it. Also, there's potentially <laughs> yeah. like income tax issues, I would imagine, if you like come into a lot of money suddenly. Well, at once too. Like if isn't it like if you get like a checks of $149 or below or something, it's like not a thing. I don't know. Please don't take any of my tax advice. No, I think at least in American taxes, he owed money on that that money already. Like it doesn't matter that he didn't spend it. He owed money on it as income tax. <laughs> right. So there's this weird, creepy note. Um, and then in a kind of another clue way, uh, Conan notices that none of the toys have barcodes. They're also like kind of old, used, partially broken toys as well. Like, you know, the not this year's toy. It's it's like you, you got it. It's like getting a Tickle Me Elmo for Christmas, like two years later, and it doesn't quite work. Do they not have barcodes in like certain yeah. points of the 90s? Well, it would have been even before that. The toys are, are were probably from a few years before the 90s. So probably before UPCs were on everything. You think it's because there it was before the invention of UPCs? I took it to mean just that it wasn't new out of the store and someone had already like re- had removed the labels. I'm figuring it out. Well, if it's still in the box, it would have the barcode on it. Yeah. So UPCs came into popular use proposal in 1972. Uh-huh. A look at us being detectives. <laughs> well, now we presented case this. case of the mystery barcode. <laughs> I just want to know when they came into popular use. I feel like it was the 80s. Like, that would be my final answer on who wants to be a millionaire. I mean, I in my whole life always remember things having barcodes. The first one was scanned in 1974. That's the best I can find. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the point of the barcode thing is. That's less of a good hint than the fact that just they're used and a little old. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things about this show, Sarah, is that the Ron's dad is not a good detective. Yeah, I noticed when I, I, I wrote down the words, why aren't they fingerprinting these things? (laughs) <laughs> like i think their uh, their problem could be solved if they're used toys there's gonna be fingerprints i mean this guy doesn't seem like he's that slick to have put gloves on first or done a good clorox wiping <laughs> lots of avenues the, the other thing he does is he just declares that it's a prank <laughs> and of course the, the surgeon's like oh my god you're so smart why didn't i think of that like why really? didn't i th- think it was a prank <laughs> Well, if somebody wants to prank me by sending me $10,000 a month, by all means. Right, like, oh, you got me. I own a house now. My bad. <laughs> you got me. I'm out of credit card debt. Did you hear Thanks. about the guy who was like getting a pizza every day? Was it Supersize Me? That guy? No, it's a Belgian. It's a man in Belgium, Jean Van Landingham, for nearly a decade. Someone has been ordering pizzas for him starting nine years ago. Sometimes it's other deliveries like kebabs and Ooh. basically they just they just keep coming and coming and coming and it's just really annoying. What happens when he's on vacation? I don't know. It's just weird like who does that for 9 years? For a stalker or a lover or something. Or someone who's just somehow not noticed their pizzas aren't showing up. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe today, maybe today I will get that pizza on my doorstep. <laughs> I'm going to spend another $20, please, for the love of God. And Domino's is just sitting inside like, yes, yes, excellent, excellent. 
it you can see how it like freaks you out a little bit like if you keep continue to get stuff like this or like the deliveries this guy is getting what's the uh best surprise you've received in the mail for something like that not for something like a pizza but like have you received surprise fun packages in the mail i recently got one where i won a little contest and got some promo we talked about digimon earlier some promo (laughs) digimon cards that i didn't know i won that was fun yeah i don't know like my mom has sent me care packages sometimes that i didn't know or wasn't expecting yeah not much not much else how about you um, I got a care package in college from my aunt who like always forgets like my birthday and like forgets <laughs> things. But like she randomly sent me a care package in college with like Easy Mac and a hundred dollar check, which I used to buy a ticket to go see John Mayer at uh, Penn State. <laughs> did you um, it was 2003. bring the Easy Mac with you in Tupperware? I did. To the concert? I did not. <laughs> But that was, that was that was a good idea. Why don't they package mac and cheese in like pudding cups so that you can just take it with you anywhere you go? They do. Do you have access to a microwave? Yeah, they have Easy Mac S- sometimes. Oh, yeah, it's in a little cuppy. Yeah. Oh, that's what Easy Mac is? You yeah. just pour in, it's like you do it ramen style. You pour in hot water. Yeah, but that's different than just like a pudding cup where you just open it and stick it in a spoon. Well, it would be a cold mac and cheese. Yeah, but it would be anywhere, anytime. <laughs> yeah, Noah feels okay about that. Noah, write that jingle for me right now. It's mac and cheese whenever you please. Our recipe won't make you sneeze. That's all I needed. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> that's more than I needed. Take it back. <laughs> Wrap it up, give it to me, and send it to me as a surprise package. (laughs) (laughs) I will send you some mac and cheese pudding cups. God, that's the best. Thank you. Dying message branded. Our first dying message branded product. Mm -hmm. I'll come up with a clever name for it. Dying macaroni? I don't know. I'm dying to eat it. (laughs) Yeah. Michael, why are you frowning? I can't can't think of a better name. Because these jokes are a little cheesy. <laughs> yeah, somebody better elbow me to stop. I've been I'm rigatoning this message. Aren't we past all Yeah. Well maybe I'll get a rigatoni <laughs> award for my jingle. So thank you for re- redeeming that. <laughs> yeah. And all, any of our listeners at home can redeem their coupons for some free dying macaroni. Offer void everywhere. <laughs> Offer void while supplies don't exist. <laughs> don't forget to use your code macaroni in the discount code bar if craft macaroni and cheese would like to sponsor our podcast <laughs> yeah okay so 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 the thing about we talked about like uh conan noticed that the clues to the, the pictures were old and um maury kind of jumped on it and was like oh this means it's a prank it's a prank but ron was like wait a second it was the little kid who noticed this and this is when she first starts thinking hey this kid or second starts thinking, hey, this is another thing. Maybe he is Shinichi because he's a child, but he's wait, this is hard. To, this is a hard episode to explain. Yeah. Basically, Ron starts making all the connections that she's like, it makes no sense, but it's also incredibly obvious. So. Yeah. <laughs> Someone suggests that maybe this person is trying to buy something. And the guy has a 20 million yen painting that he keeps in the hospital, which is about the amount of money that he's been sent. So they're like, let's go to the hospital and look at this painting, mm-hmm. which it's also like it took them this long to be like, maybe we should go to the hospital. And even later, it's not until later that they're like, hey, why don't we look through the records of uh, your patients to see if someone maybe has a reason for this? And I'm mm. like, isn't that the first place you would look for a surgeon? Yeah, as soon as they said the date, I was like, oh, why don't they just go? Like, there has to be some sort of 
significance to this. Yeah. Um, so they go to the hospital, and this is uh, the uh, the appear- the first appearance of flowers. Oh, yes. The uh, morning glories, was it? I didn't write it down. Yes, it's morning glories. What do morning glories mean, Michael? I closed. Oh, they must tell us later in the episode. I think they mentioned it right here. Uh, right. The morning glories mean a short-lived love. Like a lost love or something like that. I can tell you in a second. A short-lived love. Yep. Short-lived love. Well, I like how they assumed it was a woman who was sending the flowers. <laughs> right. So the flowers are another thing that he's been receiving that he didn't decide to mention until he just happened to receive them. Well, they also apparently only come once a year. So it's a little serendipitous that they happened to show up at the exact same time they got there. Yeah. Well, it, it is, but also it has to do with the timing of the note that he, the weird, creepy note that he received today. Mm-hmm. Um, the flowers come once a year on February 19th. I thought this was going to be relevant that they, um, they're hard to find this time of year. So someone has to be growing them in a greenhouse. Well, it implies a specific, like, obsessive level of I need to send this specific thing to send this specific message. Yeah. This is the point where Conan's like, we should look for a patient who has a connection to February 19th. And everyone else is like, oh, my God, that's the most brilliant idea I've ever heard. And it's like, it's the most obvious thing ever right. to do in this scenario. <laughs> it's not his most brilliant uh, revelation that he's mm-hmm. ever had. Mm-hmm. And they're not good doctors. I mean, I don't know what the... I don't know what the the equivalent to HIPAA laws are uh, across the sea, but uh, he's just like, uh, I can't really show you these these files. Oh, can't we just break the rules just once? It's like, yeah, can I get in seeing like my sworn enemies, uh, like my fifth grade teacher wronged me in some way? Can I see their records so I can blackmail them and hold it against them? I don't think we could really do that just this once. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's like, there's no other way. I guess we'll have to do it just this once. But even worse than that, right? Like, they go to the room. It's a room full of physical books because... The 90s. Physical medical records. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then they're all like, let's go look at the painting. And Conan's like, I want to stay here. And they're like, yes, let's leave the child, the six-year-old child, alone in the room with the confidential medical records out on the table. And he speed reads those things. Yeah, he reads them like a superhero. Is that one of his reverse Shazam powers? Approximately, yeah, like uh, observation, I guess, or something. I don't know. They're just trying to show like he reads faster than a six-year-old because he's like, but it, it's it's animated up to be like pages flying everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one time where Ron goes, hey, wait a minute. I'm not going to leave this child alone. I'm going to observe him after not observing his weird behaviors constantly. But only because I think he's my boyfriend in a child's body. <laughs> Who he is, but it's still a little weird. But also, that's the case. <laughs> and she does some flashbacks to previous episodes where he made good observations and like kind of backseat driver to the investigations to get to the, the correct suspects. The other thing she realizes is that on one particular night, her boyfriend disappeared. And at the very shortly afterwards, this child appeared and the timing lines up. Right. She's basically finally connecting all the dots uh, just because she has to do it at least once so that we can never talk about it again. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, Sarah, you watching this episode for the first time, did you think she was going to figure it out? Oh, immediately. (laughs) <laughs> but then I knew, like, they, I'm like, no, there's not, like, it's either going to go one of two ways. They're going to tell the woman that she's stupid and gaslight her, or they're going to, like, 
bring her into the solution and use her as a way to help the, the person. And of course they went with gaslighting. At first, it's like a little more understandable because he really has told literally no one except for the old man. But yeah. eventually, like there's more and more people in on his secret and he still hasn't told her. And it's like, really? <laughs> like all these other people can know? That's a red flag sort of relationship, girl. Like get out of that real quick. <laughs> To be fair, he doesn't tell anyone. They all figure it out. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's like, a weird if thing. If I found out that that was my boyfriend and I found out last, I'd be like, excuse you, where is the trust in this relationship? If you found out that you've been bathing your boyfriend for a thousand episodes. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really interesting take on that sort of thing in the show Invincible, which just came out recently. I want to watch that. It's very, very uh, graphically violent, and it doesn't seem like it's going to (laughs) be. Oh, no. Thank you for telling me this. It's like when I watched The Boys, and I went, no! It's probably, I haven't haven't seen The Boys, but the beginning of the first episode, if you watch the first half of the first episode, you're going to be like, I can handle this. But then at the end of the second, by the end of the first episode, it's very graphically violent. But anyway, the the main character is is a teenage superhero who hides his identity from his girlfriend. And he's he's going back and forth on telling her and spoilers. Eventually, when he does tell her, she's like, yeah, I thought that might be the case. And I'm just mad that you kept it a secret from me for so long. And she leaves him anyway. Yeah. See, it never goes the way when when you're (laughs) a liar. We always find out. And like what what could have been an understanding, like I'm going to like bring me into the fold and I'm going to help you. It's always like deuces. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> he always kept committing to dates that he like was too busy as a superhero to do. And it's like, don't make promises you can't keep. Exactly. Like I've got compassion and empathy for superheroes trying to save the world. Like I, that's a, an understandable situation. It's the lying. Unfortunately, uh, Shinichi has never seen Invincible. I truly do wonder if uh, Gosho Aoyama, the author, has in his mind some way that he can eventually like at the end of the series or whatever reveal his identity to Ron without her being super pissed because I don't know how you would do that because it's been a while <laughs> he's lied to her a lot <laughs> I mean because obviously they like if people know like it's not hurting her to not know his working theory and the reason for the his secrecy in the show is that he was drugged by this like malevolent evil super organization mafia. yeah like a super mafia and that if the more people who know his secret, the more people who are in danger, because that if, if, if they know he's alive and they didn't sex, successfully kill him, they'll seek to kill him. I mean, but he's living with the person he is lying to. So I feel like they're in trouble anyway. There's holes in this in this theory. He also maybe didn't think it would take this long. It makes for <laughs> very silly moments of, uh, you know, bashfulness and stuff. The other thing that happens is... Um, or maybe this happens a little later, but that's okay, is that she remembers when she was walking with this child and confiding to him about her feelings for him. (laughs) That makes her mad. (laughs) Probably rightfully. She kind of, in this scene though, when he's looking at the record, she comes up to him and kind of asks him what he's doing. And he doesn't try to like obscure how smart he's being at first. He's like, I was looking for people with a connection to February 19th. 
and I was looking for people two years ago before the gifts started, which because the guy started at the hospital three years ago, it's a span of one year. And I found these people with surgeries or who were admitted and released on those days. And she pulls a fast one on him. She says, great work, Shinichi. And he responds very naturally, like as if that's his name, um, because she knows his weakness is flattery. <laughs> I like how he catches himself and he's like, oh, here's a Game Boy. Oh, I like games. Want to play? Oh, no, I died. And she's like, you're just faking being a child. Yeah, Michael. Uh, I was going to be fair. I do that sometimes and I'm not trying to, dis- to hide anything. I just get distracted by video games. <laughs> <laughs> this is another joke they do a lot where he says something too smart or acts too intelligence and then like swings to doing something very childish, like, you know, asking a silly question or or being excited about food, or I don't know, what are traits of six-year-old children? Liking playgrounds? Jumping on things. Dutying in their pants a little. I like that it led him to like a discovery, though. It was a lovely yes-and moment. <laughs> right, because he pulls out the Game Boy and... Game uh, Man. Oh, yes, Game, Game Man, of course. Man. <laughs> <laughs> when you have the choice to not gender a toy, like, instead of Game Boy... They made a gay man. Like, could it have been like game person? Like, they had the option. <laughs> you can't call a product game man because everyone will think you're calling it gay man, uh, which I'm down for. But <laughs> you want to purchase a, a gay man handheld video game console? <laughs> to be fair, I don't think I don't think they've gendered a video game product console like a game console since the Game Boy. I think that's like the standalone Sega one. Sega right? Saturn. Saturn oh, is a Boy. male god. I think you just gendered a planet. No, I think you're gendering a planet, Noah. <laughs> I mean, if we want to get into it, there's Sailor Saturn. Yeah, Sailor Saturn is a lady. Was a, 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 well, she was a girl. She was like 12. <laughs> and a bringer of death, if you will. Oh, she had that like scythe thing, yeah? Yeah, she did. <laughs> but the person who's been sending this gift did not wipe the save file on inside the video game on the game Man. And there's a save file for someone called Ogino Tomoya. Mm -hmm. Who could that be? Who could that be? And Conan has an idea and he finds a record in the books of a child by that name who died on February 19th a couple of years ago after being operated on for appendicitis. And I also like he's like with a lot of urgency. He's like, Ron, go get everybody. And now she knows exactly who she is in her mind. So that's why she does it. But it is like a six-year-old boy being like, you know, danger, danger, get everybody. I figured it out, which is kind of a weird uh, moment. Also, appendicitis really stinks if any of you have had it. I haven't, but I guess I might someday. It happens to a lot of people, right? Yeah, I, ha- I had it. It's not fun. Get that stuff fixed. We watched the episode of The Nanny where she had it. No, no, that was tonsils. That was tonsillitis. Tonsillitis. That's tonsillitis, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Nanny's my feminist guilty pleasure. It's important. To, it's important to have guilty pleasures. So the the kid that died died of appendicitis. It was too late to treat him by the time he got to the hospital, but the father blamed him for the son's death. And Conan suggests that the person is going to try to kill his son, and that's what the note meant. And everybody's like, oh, yes, this child is right. And of course, they realize that he had been picked up from school by someone who wasn't either of the parents. The mother thought was told that his father had already come to get him. Which hopefully I think wouldn't possibly happen now. Like the school wouldn't be like, oh, person who isn't related to this child and this child doesn't know. You can pick up this child from school. Sure. It's still a plot point on a lot of television shows, though. 
you have to be more clever about it now because they usually have a list and you have to be a name on the list. If you went up to the school and the person didn't know the father by appearance and you're like, I am this kid's father, here's my name. I don't know if they'd always check ID or not. I don't know. I don't have a child. I like to think if I was five years old and someone was like, I'm his father and I'm picking up, I'd be like, nah. uh <laughs> You think so? I used to work for schools and I, I would just like walk in all the time and just go right upstairs and they never stopped and asked me like who I was. The other thing about this kid who we see now at the park, along with this man who has kidnapped him, is Conan and his friends are six years old. And this child is supposed to be five years old, but he's like a three-year-old compared to them, (laughs) the way he's drawn. He looks like a toddler. He's wearing the uh, prototypical Japanese uh, kindergarten outfit, which is the weird little yellow hat and the purple sweater and the little shorts. They They were like short shorts. Our really dedicated listeners will remember back to episode 21 of our podcast where um, the the characters from Detective Academy Q went to an elementary school and Q dressed up in a similar outfit, (laughs) Uh, which is weird because he's a 14-year-old. Right. So what is the situation at the park when everybody else shows up? Uh, He's literally about to stab a five-year-old in the head with a knife that he had in his... Like, how do you keep a knife in the front of your, like, overcoat thing? Like, where does it... Where does it go that you can keep a knife in there and it's not just going to fall? It's a big like trench coat this guy's wearing and he had a knife in there. Maybe yeah. he had a magnetic knife rack installed in his trench coat. It's preparation. It's intuitive. They happen to run to the right place in the right park, but they're <laughs> just a little too far away up on the bridge. I was like, how did they find this guy so quickly and so coincidentally? Fortunately, detecting that Ron is onto him, Conan figures out an incredibly subtle way to stop the crime by blowing up a railing and almost knocking a tree over. How did he get this? This is one of my questions of, of, of reverse shazamming is how did he turn into Mia Hamm? <laughs> like, how did he do the as a six year old? How did he have the motor skills to get his foot over his head to like this bend it like Beckham style kick that actually turned into a torpedo rocket. Well, so it's a combination of two things, really. Uh, first, uh, when he was a a high school age person, he was very, very good at soccer. So he has uh, some inherent soccer skills. The second is that he his neighbor, Professor Agasa, makes all kinds of wacky gadgets for him so that he can continue to solve crimes as a child. And one of them is a pair of sneakers, which he recently received, that supercharges his leg muscles using electricity so that he can kick things very hard. So it's not a superpower, it's a gadget. Okay, but how does that get him, like, do the bounce and the overbody kick? Like, I know kids are flexible. We're to leave that part is just his latent soccer skills. From it's when a full-on was... bicycle kick. I yeah. mean, by the time kids are five okay. or six, they can start to do some crazy gymnastic moves. But yeah, it is ridiculous. The The other thing about it is um, after he kicks the soccer ball, which we have to talk more about because <laughs> it's extreme, we, you see him fall back to the ground and he was like six feet in the air. He was way too high in the air. <laughs> like he should not have launched that high. This is a soccer ball he steals from two kids that are playing soccer because um, it's the easiest thing to kick, I guess. And like Michael said, well, it's like when he kicks it, it slows down and the soccer ball like twists and turns and gets super energized, cuts through the railing, knocks the knife out of the guy's hand and embeds itself into a tree. And only Ron notices this. <laughs> only Ron. No one else is like, what the hell was that? And even she is like, wait, did Conan do that? Like, did you watch him kick it? No, he was behind them. 
Yeah, this must have been a very confusing moment. He didn't use any other gadgets in this episode, and they didn't explain this gadget in this episode. But he has like his arsenal of gadgets that he gets that he's been accumulating in these first few episodes. Yeah, I think like in the end credits, I noticed I'm like, there's lots of gadgets. Why were these not used throughout? And why is he in <laughs> London on a date? Just because um, the uh, the the author and creator of the show has a London fixation that stems from you know Sherlock Holmes. And mm-hmm. about 600 episodes later, he will get to take a trip to London. I'm glad for him. <laughs> but it, it's only sort of successful because they, by the time it takes them to get from the bridge to the man, he has grabbed the knife again and has the child in a, you know, come any closer and I will harm this child's stance. He explains that the 25 million yen that he had sent was all the insurance money he got for his son's lo- death. His son loved morning glories, which is why he was sending those and he's his goal is to make this surgeon feel what it's like to lose a son this was a really heartbreaking moment like if it wasn't for like the awful 80s jazz in the background like i would have like the fact that like as the guy was crying like you could see the teardrops in the sand like it was like a really moving moment for the kick that had just happened but then the 80s jazz kind of ruined it for me. <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love the jazz soundtrack for this show. So, <laughs> Like it was just, I just had a lot of conflicting feelings in that moment. Like I would have cried, yeah. but then I was also angry. But then I was also What were you moved. angry about, the music? I was, because I'm like, this is so, it's so jarring in a, in a fun way. They have some recurring music. And they, yeah, this is their like person gets sad music mm-hmm. that they're playing. This generally happens when I like get sad. Like I want to listen to like like upbeat, happy music. (laughs) Not the not the depressing music I usually listen to when I'm sad. You know, like Father John Misty and Fleet Foxes, or when I'm happy. Well, yeah, but in a TV show or a movie, the it's the opposite. The the sadder the movie gets, the sadder the music gets, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You you don't have people crying to uh, Dancing Queen, or well, you might have people crying to Dancing Queen. I feel like that was the plot of ABBA, that ABBA movie, Mamma Mia. <laughs> but what can stop this man with a knife from harming this, from harming anyone, but the innocence of a child? That's a rhetorical question. Mm, you do mm-hmm. not need to send emails to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com to answer that question. But you can. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> the child is basically like, turns to the man and very genuinely is like, you were the one sending those toys. I really enjoyed playing with them. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And very unrealistically for, five, for a five-year-old is like, and I took really good care of them. And the man is like, wait, I'm accusing this man of killing my child and now I'm going to kill a child? That's not what I want to do. That's mm-hmm. not that's not how I want to be. Mm. Well, it was nice that he like showed the like showed the image of his kid next to the other kid because it was kind of like the oh like I'm honoring your kid's memory by taking care of his toys even though that's not what I knew like I I didn't know that. Yeah. They set this up to be that like emotional emotional resolution mm-hmm. like he had waited 2 years to kill this kid so that he would be the same age as his own child when he died but then it's like you go to kill him and you're like wait this would be like killing my own child Oof. they also said that this was not a serious incident and i'm just sitting here sitting here thinking like what's a serious incident if it's not attempted murder and kidnapping of a child right because this bugged the crap out of me where the doctor is like no don't call the police it's fine and i'm just like 
Okay, he was still going to stab a five-year-old. He needs to be in a mental health facility at the bare minimum. <laughs> at least. Yeah, it's Jesus like your intentions Christ. were good, but the outcome is this kid's going to have trauma. Right. The kid didn't seem to notice. Well, now, but when he turns 18 and he pulls up these repressed memories, there's going to be an <laughs> issue. <laughs> As they're walking home, Conan runs away. And then <laughs> we have the credits. They didn't resolve this thing because Ron is really, really suspicious. And I was like, they didn't resolve it, but they resolve it after the credits. Uh, so what happens in the post credit scene? How does he tr- pull off this trick? <laughs> I do love a good uh, bait and switch of asking an old man to pretend to be a young boy. <laughs> and, well, like a young first... teenage boy and say, it's me. I'm, it's me. <laughs> first this is very bothering and like obviously right now she suspects he's a grown person but it, it's pretty frequent that he'll do things like i just remembered something i have to do and runs away and like he is a six-year-old and you are his sole care provider and you just let a six-year-old be like i just remembered something go away and come back at late at night it's like what do you have to do go return a book at a library at the library <laughs> blockbuster is still around at that point but i mean like it's only a dollar late fee <laughs> Also, it's like supposed to be super smart, but she gets him again in this scene because the, at the very beginning of the scene, she mentions like one of their high school teachers that they used to call a gorilla. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, ha ha ha, the gorilla. And she's like, how would you know about him if you're not Shinichi? And he makes a, his lame excuse. But then the phone rings and she's not going to answer it because they're in this intense moment. And he knows the phone call is his get out of jail card and like cajoles her into answering the phone. Mm-hmm. She answers it very violently too. Like <laughs> I've never seen like physically that would not be possible picking up the phone <laughs> and the method that she does. Physically her hair would not be possible. So mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I wish it was though. I've always wanted hair like that. A giant triangle instead of bangs? <laughs> well, it's just like this like the long flowy style. Like it was very like Ray from Sailor Moon and it was lo- mm-hmm. lovely. Like I always tried to do that in a pool when I was a kid. <laughs> try to get my hair to look like that and then it would come up and just be curly well not mm. when it was wet it would be straight when it was wet uh speaking of pools here's a moment where they pool their talents together oh noah so this is another of the his most important gadgets with but that he didn't use earlier in the episode but he has lent it to the professor is his voice changing bow tie which can make anyone's voice sound like any other person so on the other end of the line is the professor who knows his identity using the voice changing bow tie to sound like him as Shinichi and he's sitting there as a child Shinichi is on the phone and it convinces Ron that it's not really him Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean I I get what you're saying about like gaslighting and there's something very unsavory about it but there is also something about like a non-realistic situation of like being turned into a child it's different i don't know it's like how do you apply morality to something like anyway (laughs) i mean if they're still like in a romantic relationship like there's still a lot of lying and like i'm going literally out of my way to lie to you to set up a much more elaborate ruse to lie to you like Mm. there's not a good foundation for that for the after it Mm. crosses a line from like him just saying that he's a boy and like her believing it to like having to reinforce it and, and yeah. go back and forth. But also we're to believe that he truly feels that if she knows his identity, it places her in a place where she might be murdered. So like it's not. Yeah, it's all over the place. 
he is and isn't Shinichi because it's like Shinichi's consciousness, but it is his body. But as a child, it's like. Did they not? They go to school each other. Did they not know each other as elementary they did, school students? They did. And she sees we ha- we see flashbacks of them where he looks identical. That's why he's wearing the glasses so that she doesn't recognize his face. Oh, the good old superhero trick! I'm going to put on some glasses and I don't look like me anymore. So the other thing I want to touch on is the uh, next week on in this episode is for episode eight, which we're not doing next week. Um, it's a very gruesome like murder that you see very briefly. And, um, you know, we've skipped a couple episodes and this is very much an example of an episode that I'm skipping because I like it. And someday we can cover it in the future. But, you know, I want to get to like the introduction of all the gadgets and all the characters and then we'll probably revisit that episode someday. But we will not be covering episode eight next week. So, Sarah, hopefully we've unconfused you a little bit. At least a little. <laughs> because th- this episode is so heavy into like what's going on between him and Ron. It's a little, it relies a little bit more on plot than like some of the more murder mystery episodes. But like, what was it like watching this? Did you enjoy it? I thought like, I thought it was pretty like i mean it's a kid it's a kid show like it's pretty well done it was very logical i liked that it like it seems like it like encourages kids to ask good questions which is a is important especially for the 90s when we were like getting like blues clues stuff that's like you know where's the mail oh it's in the mailbox great let's sing a song about it So, so, I mean, I, I liked it. I was like, wow, this wrapped up pretty quickly for like 25 minutes too. Like, uh, so I thought they had a nice little formula. Uh, gaslighting is never fun, but you know, I mean, he's six or like 16, both of which don't have the cognitive, uh, dis- like ability to like think about that kind of stuff. So I'll forgive that for a hot second. But I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being on this podcast with you guys. So, you know, high fives all around. How was the mystery? Like there were, it wasn't the most involved ones compared to even some of the other one episode ones, but there were like a couple clues and then the revelation of what was happening at the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like I thought, like, like I said, like I was, I wasn't sure, like, I, uh, when I saw that, like, why aren't they fingerprinting? And like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Go check the guys, go check the guy's records. He's a surgeon. I just kept thinking about, like, Veronica Mars through this, like, because it's like, got a very fun, like, Veronica Mars type setup. And I'm just kind of like, hey, hey, dad. Why are you letting the kids do all of your work for you? <laughs> <laughs> I know when we, like, were first talking about the show, and onwards, Michael is always skeptical of the idea of like a, a famous high school detective, like which is theoretically what Shinichi is. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, Veronica Mars is another good example of a high school detective and who becomes a little famous. All of her dad's mysteries, <laughs> like basically did her dad's job for him. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Maybe the creator of that show watched this show because this does predate Veronica Mars. And mm-hmm. Veronica Mars is now a graphic novel. Mm, full circle. Rob Thomas made it into a graphic novel. Is this remind you of other things you've seen? Is it similar to other things or is it really kind of unique? Um, I've never seen anything in a reverse Shazam thing, but <laughs> that's just really how my brain has been. 17 again. Yeah. I don't know. I try to avoid Zac Efron for most things. No, no, I mean, like, like, I haven't really seen kind of like the reverse thing in a mystery style. But I mean, it felt like it was very like, I watch a lot of kids, 
like TV shows. Like I, my, my master's degree is actually in literary theory. Um, and so I did a lot of, you know, watching of Disney Channel shows in the early 2000s and continue to watch like, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego, the new one and the new She-Ra and all that stuff. Um, Kipo is very good if anybody wants to watch that. Mm-hmm. Kipo and the Magic Wonder Beasts, I think it's called. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I mean, it, it, it felt like a kid's version of crime shows, but with gadgets, like. Yeah. It's a shame you weren't doing your research nowadays to get your university to pay for your Disney Plus subscription. <laughs> they wouldn't do that regardless. <laughs> no, I mean, I went to a very fancy school and they would not have paid for, like, they didn't even pay for my Disney. Somehow I got it for free because <laughs> I got, I guess they didn't realize it. Yeah, it was. This is not like the most typical uh, episode of this show, I would say, because they're still dealing with some of their plot setups. They had to do the episode where Ron almost figures it out so that like 40 episodes from now, 100 episodes from now, 700 episodes from now, 1000 episodes from now, when you're like, how come she still hasn't figured it out? This is, you know, they we did that. That's a lot of gaslighting. (laughs) It's something he'll have to reckon with when he when he comes clean to her. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I would read that fan fiction. They have to do it eventually, right? They can't coast on the popularity of this show for too much I don't longer. Know. I don't know. How much longer does this show run? They literally just aired the 1,007th episode like this week. Like it's Damn. literally been 1,000 episodes since this episode. Still going. <laughs> so he's been six for 20 years. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> that's its own special hell. He's getting his just desserts for all that gaslighting. <laughs> <laughs> There's 24 movies plus television specials plus a live action series plus what? toys, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, if you have theories about how Detective Conan is eventually going to end, you can email those theories to uh, dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to share your thoughts on the podcast within reason. Sarah, um, do you have anything that you want to plug or share with people, places they can find you, or, or things you want to boost? Um, go get your vaccines. <laughs> and especially if you haven't gotten one by the time this episode comes out yeah you, you really you really should have but make it so the world can have more uh hugs and more crime shows yeah i agree go get go get that vaccine oh my mistake 1006 aired this week i was off by one. Oh, i hope they had <laughs> a really big cake for their writers <laughs> with the kid on the cake oh definitely yeah. seems pretty likely that that happened right <laughs> if not i'll have a cake in their honor tonight just for them i want to say thank you to sarah for joining us today and uh watching this thing and uh, we enjoyed spending time with you today in our next episode oh listeners we will be skipping ahead to episode nine so the conan's hint for that episode is disposable camera this is a murder case that takes place at a festival um and we know who the murderer is from the beginning of the episode which is a, a new thing for this show and they have to try to crack his alibi it's mm. too bad i'll never find out what the heck uh the the way the, the conan hint for this episode is used because the t- the next conan's hint was ballpoint pen observation and i'm like what the hell does that mean? Oh, for episode eight? <laughs> That's a great one. I recommend you watch that. Um, you don't have to skip it just because we're skipping it. It's a murder in a museum with like a moving um, uh, moving suit of armor. But what does ballpoint pen observation mean? <laughs> Do you know it if you see it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So to our listeners, thank you so much for listening and keeping up with our podcast. Um, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. You can let other people know how you feel about our podcast by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, following us on wherever you get your podcasts, if that's Stitcher or Spotify or whatever. Um, that way you'll know whenever we have a new episode. Keep in touch with us on social media, Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, at Dying Message Pod on Twitter. Guess what? We are now on Instagram. This is the first time that I'm telling people that. Um, but we've been posting on Instagram for a little bit. And you can find us there and, and get the lots of fun screenshots and learn when our new episodes come out. And do send us that email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. I have to pee. And I thought about taking a break from recording the podcast to go pee. Mm-hmm. But the urgency with which I need to go to the bathroom is outweighed by the urgency with which I want to hear about the mystery of the flashing lights. Th- this is not me telling you to go quickly. Take go, your time. Okay. <laughs> no, I want to hear about the mystery of the flashing lights. Yeah. So I'm having a hard time thinking about a mystery that I solved. Uh, I'm sure I do every day because I work in an office with other people. But um, <laughs> Did Becky eat your food in the fridge oh wait every day becky eats it every god damn it becky that becky (laughs) uh usually they have to deal with my cat since i've spent quarantine just alone with my cat um but i was thinking about this and like the first thing i i really thought of solidified is like when i was in like elementary school there wasn't a lot of kids in my neighborhood so it was just like me and my sister and our neighbor, Tommy and Andrew brothers. Um, and then we've like found a few more, but like the four of us were just like inseparable growing up. And we started, I was, I was obsessed with the babysitters club. Um, and I wanted to start clubs. So we started all of these clubs under the guise of the club, the club be the club being the main club and then separate side clubs you could sign up for, which was really just the four of us doing stuff. <laughs> and so we did like, we, we created this, like, I was also obsessed with Harriet, the spy. Uh-huh. Um, and we created a club called like the eavesdropping club or like the neighborhood, the spy club or whatever. And so, um, I would just like sit out on like Tuesday nights. I would sit on my window and I would just, blog what was happening on my street and so the only thing I could see like from my bedroom window was the house across the street because they're like I grew up along the river so it was just like the house across the street two more houses uh, way off to the right and like woods so uh I I just like one night there was a there were police cars across the street and I kept like trying to figure out what was happening um and then I just like figured out like somebody would like so they were doing like a routine check or something. It was probably much more nefarious because it was when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. I lived by the river, but uh, I'm sure I did never really find out what it was, but that's what made me think I was trying to figure out this, the case of the, what those flashing lights were about to keep my street safe when I was 10. I remember Harriet, the spies notebook that she had. Yeah. D- did you and your club have walkie talkies or any communication methods we did have my friend for his birthday got um what are the cb radios Mm -hmm. and so we had like we would like like borrow one and talk from them sometimes and then i remember i accidentally 
snapped the like the the antenna um and i was so upset and as like i was like and as a 10 year old i was like i'll pay for it <laughs> and then they're probably like that is way more than your allowance but thanks kids nowadays are like taking cell phone videos out of their window and posting them to tiktok mm-hmm. <laughs> back then we were like a walkie-talkie makes my sound go 30 feet <laughs> Yeah, I have it. Well, my sister and I did the tried to do the tin can thing. That didn't really work. You have to have it taught, or it doesn't work. We did not have it taught. <laughs> I don't. I've never successfully. Yeah, I've never used those. Before. Yeah, the the string has to carry the vibration, so it has to be taught because uh, it's a string. <laughs> well, Mike, you just taught us some really neat. Facts. <laughs> And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast, episode 40, in which we make Easy Mac even easier. When you don't have time to name your killer, you still have time for Dying Macaroni. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom, music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Splane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Sarah Carter. Coming up, who would wear a warm jacket on a hot night? Do digital cameras make a good alibi? Would you brush your teeth in front of a stranger? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. We, like, I never had any of that technology stuff. I actually didn't get my first smartphone until I was like 26, 27, which was like, I'm so like 10 years ago. That makes sense. Yeah. I am also. You are? Yeah. No, you're not. Shut the front door. Yeah. I'm. Ooga. I didn't realize this. I thought you were like, <laughs> I thought you were like 26. No, I'm an old man. You have a young face. <laughs> I'm not 26. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were like 29. I did not realize you were. <laughs> what? Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. We have much more things to talk about. Yeah. I thought you were like a lot younger, like at least 10 years younger. Here's a serious candid question. Mm-hmm. Do I need to edit your ages out of the podcast? Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> well, then you have to say or something else. Can you, music. you can keep all that in, but bleep our ages and it'll be very funny. Oh, what, what do you want me to? Um, okay. Give me something to bleep over it. This is something that I'm stealing from Dr. Game Show, which they haven't done recently. Oh, I'm now going to say in a very obviously different voice. 25. No, it shouldn't be a number. It should be it should be a word or something that becomes oh. your bleep and I'll bleep oh. your ages out. Make mine a dolphin noise. You have to you have to make a noise. It doesn't oh, okay. have to be Perfect. Ooga. Great. <laughs> that will make more sense by the time people get to hear the conversation Great. we just I can't finished. I can to having. see how this comes out. <laughs> Do you have a lot of listeners? <laughs>